Welcome to the Innovation and in Government Show, sponsored by Kerasoft. Each month, we'll talk with industry experts who enable innovation and make government more responsive and secure by advancing key technologies. Now, here's your host, Jason Miller. My guest is Matt Mandrock, the head of public sector at Zoom. Matt, always a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for taking the time. Jason, thanks for having me again. Great to be with you. Let me set just a little context for our discussion today. This fall, more federal employees will return to the office. Every week, it seems like another agency is drawing the line about how often federal employees must be in person and how often they can work remotely. And no matter where that line is drawn in the sand, if you will, four days at pay period, some at some agencies, six days at others seems to be the main trend. We all know one thing is definitely clear. The hybrid workplace is here to stay. And despite agencies and even the private sector being three years into this hybrid work environment, they, these companies, organizations still continue to experience complexity in their technologies to support their workforce and their culture. As traditional office space evolved into a hybrid working environment, the need for new technology that can create that flexibility for culture change remains a key factor in agencies' current and future successes. As agencies continue to adapt to the needs of their workforce and their customers, they also must innovate, evolve, and ensure proper cybersecurity controls are in place. Now, how agencies are going to do that? Well, we're going to turn to my guest, Matt Mendrock is the head of public sector at Zoom. So let's just start at the beginning. We've been talking about this issue, collaboration, communication for quite a while now. And, and I think as the hybrid workplace continues to evolve, it's really becoming more important than ever. So what are some of those initial challenges? What are some of those initial trends you're seeing around unified communications? Yeah, great question, Jason. So as you look, there's a couple of key factors that tie into what the challenges are as people are evolving. And people have been evolving to hybrid for the last couple of years, but yet some are still forced and challenged with some of the current things in place. So a lot of it really comes around a couple of things. One is forced technology. So where technology is forced upon users or end user customers in the government, from that point, they're not looking at productivity as an opportunity to go forward. And the technology that they're using, they have to look at why, how that helps with productivity. How does that retain uh, your employees and allow them to work not only in the office, but to work in a remote environment. Uh, the second is around user uh, end user complexity. Uh, the complexity around where individuals uh, have multiple steps they have to do to engage with others, uh, whether they're working in, a, in, a, uh, in the office or a hybrid environment. So the end user complexity comes in where you may be in a conference room and how you're interacting with individuals who are remote. And then the third is around legacy systems. The legacy systems really uh, have not been able to evolve. So as we're going through the government's going through this IT modernization, they need to look at how are systems allow, allowing uh, these uh, individuals to work in the hybrid environment. We've seen one agency was spending almost five to seven million dollars just for equipment that was sitting as people were working in a hybrid environment, and it didn't scale. So now as the government is making these decisions, and they start to look at it, we'll talk a little bit about this a little later on, around total cost of ownership, how do they start to look at that overall and these challenges that go across there. And then the last I'll bring up is really around the, the recruitment, uh, the retaining, and the productivity of the, of the government end user. Uh, as you look across there, these, these executive orders around the customer experience really allows for them to take a look at this much differently. As we talked about force technology, how do you start to look at understanding and getting input from these end users, bringing it back and utilizing the technology or the solutions or the platform to enable them to do their job in this hybrid environment? A couple of things to dig out from there, Matt. I think let's start with that this idea of force technology, this idea that the end users 
here's what we're going to give you use it or don't and and that becomes you know let me work around it let me not be as productive is that what you're seeing is that when agencies are saying here's your one widget like it or not versus hey what widget that maybe makes sense within our environment that we can let you use like what's the balance that they're trying to strike because some will say well i don't want to spend money on another widget when i already have a widget yep great question so around force technology you look at where uh, whether it's in in public sector or in uh, the commercial environment, uh, executives or leaders are able to use a platform. And that platform works for them. It's simple, easy to use. Yet that same platform is not uh, enabled for the rest of the workforce. So you have two different schools. So you have two different systems to say, well, we're going to let you use this, let our leaders use this solution. But for the rest of you, you have to use this. So really what we would say is around force technology is that if someone says they have an investment, hey, we made this investment and it's part of our overall package, but that really doesn't help productivity of the end user, then what good is that technology? So from there, you have to look at that platform around what allows our end, the end user, government end users to be productive and be able to say, hey, if we're going to use this, you sometimes have to have also dual paths where you have one, just one solution out there is you know, people may say is great. This is our, our platform. But when that doesn't work, what is your what is your backup solution or what is the solution that's best in that environment? So when we see that from that force technology. How do you take a look at this and say, if, if it's good enough for the leaders or executives of the company, why would that not be accessible for this? And this is where you're starting to see the customer experience uh, officers under the executive order where they're really pushing what is what what is the end user input? Where is this coming from? How is this going to help us? How are we going to make you more productive? And this really leads a lot to saying, hey, we're doing these things for you. So it leads to the recruitment and retainment of employees in government. I think that's one of the big things that a lot of agencies are starting to really recognize that it's not just, oh, we need to be better about going to a college or university or be more inclusive, but all the pieces and parts that come together that mix up the entire employee experience. And that actually will, will take us to the second thing, which is the legacy systems. Agencies have been pushing for years to modernize, to get out from under technical debt. Throughout a lot of the pandemic, agencies have gotten better. Have you seen that slow down a little bit? Have you seen agencies kind of, well, we're, we have to shift priorities or ran out of money or, or, or is the getting out from under technical debt still a top priority like it has been, like it had been during the three years of the pandemic? Yep. Funding is out there for IT modernization. It's been out there for a couple of years. And I think in the next two years, there's still more funding coming forward. I think government uh, end users really need to take a look at how these systems that they're making investments are, get them forward in the next you know, year, three years, five years, seven years. Putting that platform together, that's going to allow them to have a hybrid environment. And we talk a little about total, total cost of ownership of these systems where someone may say, hey, we're getting something for free as part of a package, uh, or which they really shouldn't be uh, anything for free in the government, but or as part of a package. And then that, realizing that it's going to take 8 to 10x in cost to implement that solution. So as government starts to look at not just the point component of it, but what is the, all of the components that tie together, what that total cost of ownership is of, let's say, a unified communication platform. I think that that's a great uh, piece there because I think nothing's for free. There's always a cost. Yet we think, oh, well, you know, I got a car. 
oh, the tires were free. The tires weren't free. You paid for the you paid for those tires. So I think people kind of have to kind of change how they're viewing it. Uh, the, the last piece of just that, that initial uh, idea that you talked about is that recruitment and retention and productivity, uh, and especially around the executive order, the, the push for customer experience has been very external. Hey, what does the citizen say? Hey, the citizens that you're trying to serve. But there's also been recently, as we've talked to more of the folks in CX, this internal look too. Is that the discussion you seem to be having with some of your client, your, your government customers around, okay, how do you serve your employees better? What's the employee experience like? Because that will, again, was we've heard translate to customer experience. Exactly, Jason. There's two sets of customers, external and internal. So people are really forced around, forced forward around how they're going to do this with the ex- external constituents they work with. But now they're really looking internally and saying, if we're going to have this hybrid environment, what are our new policies in place? We have people, process, technology, and then culture that changes around this. So as we start to look at people recruiting individuals into the government, they've come out of environments where they've had technologies, they've been able to be flexible, they've had a hybrid environment. Uh, Can I work in a low bandwidth environment and still have the same productivity that I would have if I was sitting potentially in an office? How to retain uh, those those individuals from getting out uh, in, in in the government. And then the last is around productivity. You know, we saw in one agency where they had sent a bunch of people home, and then they realized that they were a very, very skilled in, in a group of individuals that they were just as productive at home as they were in office. They didn't, then they started looking at how can we hire the skill set across the country, but not have to have them in the, the DC metropolitan area. So they were able to recruit into other areas of the country these skill sets, and some of those people working in low bandwidth environments being able to provide a, a collaboration unified communication platform that allowed them to actually be productive, but be in a different location. And they're able to recruit at a much larger pool out there. It's amazing when you see folks put on LinkedIn or wherever else kind of, hey, uh, you know, we're looking for this job or you look on USA Jobs and how much of them are still remote today. I, I think probably not enough to, for a lot of people, but so much different than it was uh, just a few years ago, obviously. The other piece of this is I want to, I want to talk maybe more broadly and step back. You, you cover the public sector more broadly. Are there certain trends you're seeing, again, whether in the federal or state and local or, or, or uh, other North American kind of partners? What are some of those things that, that customers are talking about, coordination and collaboration? We're seeing a lot of the reciprocity between state and uh, uh, state governments and federal governments. So you think about what occurred with FedRAMP and being able to the reciprocity to state ramp. So states are starting to implement what FedRAMP was doing. So you're starting to see them taking another level of view of security and how they do things. We're also starting to see us covering also education and all education in the U.S. and Canada. We've seen that this, the things that we're doing around education are now transversing into what we're doing around the government. So these things are classrooms of the future, skill sets, opportunities, learning management systems. How do we take, take those capabilities and evolve them into what we're doing with the government, sharing this. And if you talk about really, you look at what the upskilling people will talk about the next year is we're retraining, we're reskilling the government workers. How do we take those best practices that we've learned from education and be able to implement them into our government and share with those individuals what are the key areas of learning and starting to actually bring some of those educators and we get a lot of input from our, our end users and be able to bring those same things that they're trying to learn. So as they 
don't have to go back and recreate the wheel, but we can take some of those best practices to show how we've upskilled working with students. How do we create learning environments uh, that help our government customers? It's been amazing to watch uh, how colleges have kept with the synchronous learning and asynchronous learning. Even the professors, while maybe not all of them love it or or some of them feel like you know, it's not the best experience, there's certain classes that definitely lend itself to that. And I think that, as you said, bleeds into the government too, where certain things can be done asynchronously, whether it's training from the government perspective, kind of on demand, or at the same time, you know, certain meetings, you know, you don't necessarily have to have everyone there in a meeting if it's just kind of talking about an issue without necessarily taking questions at the time. Is, is Are you starting to see some of that synchronous and asynchronous use uh, within the government that maybe we saw a lot during the pandemic in, in education? We are. And if you think about the hybrid environment, we still, we still see uh, colleges having that blended environment. And the reason why is not just because people are coming back to school and, and being in person, and I, I'm going to meetings in person with customers. And we're starting to see at schools, they're also looking at how do they grow the aperture of their enrollment. They're looking at uh, students in foreign countries. They're looking at students across the country who may not be able to get somewhere uh, and be able to go after them. And you're starting to see that as they start to build that enrollment, the asynchronous component, you start to look now at even where government workers, you know, people are looking at how do I, is it two days a week? As you mentioned earlier, two, three days a week work from work from home. They're looking at this because if they can get back in their personal lives a couple hours, and still be productive, it's a game changer for, for individuals. And, and to be able to uh, recruit and retain a, a specialized skill set or help a, a young uh, individual who's coming into the government build a career across there, being able to provide that platform for them to have that upskilling component really in that, in that hybrid environment is really a key, key uh, opportunity to retain them going forward. Matt, we're going to take a quick break and come back. We're going to delve into some of those use cases, some of those examples where this is actually happening. But first, let's take a break. You're listening to the discussion Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. Across virtual halls, federal employees trust Zoom for Government communications and collaboration to engage with citizens in serving the mission. Zoom for Government with ATOs across the federal spectrum is U.S.-based using the AWS GovCloud and two co-located data centers. Zoom for Government is authorized at the FedRAMP moderate level and achieved authorization to operate at impact level four. Zoom supports FIPS 140-2 cryptography, HIPAA compliance, CJIS compliance, and 300-plus NIST controls. Learn more at ZoomGov.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the discussion Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Matt Madrock, the head of public sector at Zoom. Now, Matt, before break, we we're talking about a lot of the trends you're seeing around uh, agencies as they return to the office. Uh, and, and then as they have to think about how to kind of continue their, their evolution around uh, collaboration, communication, and the like. I want to start by asking about that. Those there's pieces to this that the agencies have been working on over the last few years, foundations, if you will, that really can kind of move agencies along that in their journey for a better experience for their employees, better experience for their customers. What are some of those foundational pieces that that either a they should have in place, or if they don't, they should be thinking about having in place. Yeah. Well, Jason, you know, as you look at there's really kind of five key foundational areas as you start to put together a we'll call a, a unified communication platform. Uh, whether for any environment and hybrid especially. So the first we kind of talked about this earlier was simplicity, being able to as simple it works. You know we saw this happen with at, you know 2 a.m. when the Department of Treasury was putting together 
had pulled legislators and lawmakers together to make some decisions on the economy. Uh, we saw this, the being able to quickly move and pivot around this, the end user simplicity. And again, it puts pressure when it's not simple, it puts pressure on the IT staffs and those IT staffs are, are really stretched then. So simplicity is the number one. Number two is around scalability. Being able to scale quickly in an organization, be able to move them along, be able to add people, move things around, add events, uh, meetings, large type of meetings uh, out there. That scalability without having to go through gyrations and gyrations of, of work to put that together, scalability becomes a second, especially in that hybrid environment. The third is innovation. So we'll talk about a little bit of accessibility next. We talk about innovation, being able to have such things as breakout rooms. We've seen some customers in courts where they'll have attorneys break out into a breakout room, come back into a courtroom. We've seen this occur where you know uh, White House fellows were uh, being uh, working and they had some, in a hybrid environment, being able to have people working in breakout sessions, coming back to the main meetings. So that accessibility, that piece of it, and accessibility, it's huge because you're seeing more and more information coming out from the Department of Justice around, and not just, this is not just in federal government, this is state local governments, this is around education and a lot of companies providing accessibility, ADA, um, 508 compliance, you know, sign language interpretation, uh, being able to find different ways of language interpretate, uh, language interpretation, or it could be uh, transcription, uh, translation services. Those are things out there that really can change the game, especially in a hybrid environment, because you not not only have to work worry about what's going on in government agency, you have to worry about what that environment and what the platform you put in place allows them to do in the office. That same capability needs to be accessible from home. The fourth is around extensibility. So being able to leverage investments that you've already made. A great example is, um, you know, in a FedRAMP environment, being able to, what we've done in, around with um service now is to be able to do provisioning for phones where it was a manual process before. So now it cuts down and takes away that manual process and allows that IT team to be more productive as they're helping their end users, even getting into a self-service component um, to be able to take an automated process that was manual before. And the last is around security. You know, I'll share, share that we're excited that we just announced was just announced uh, that uh, Zoom for Government achieved the JAB uh, provisional authorization to operate, which was signed by the CIOs of GSA, Department of Defense, and DHS around this in the authorization. And in the authorization, really allows now from an aid, they don't have to do it at an agency level. This now covers the federal government. We have Department of Defense impact level four provisional authorization. And then you start to look at where you dig into further on security is around HIP attestation and CGIS attestation and the Zoom for Government platform. So you look at security overall is not just what the certifications people have, but really down to how do you have that same capability around an administrator level where you can control that, where you can actually control it down at the user level. So security really becomes the forefront on that as well. So those five foundational things really become the key areas that you need, to, that really people should be focusing on around that collaboration, that hybrid environment. There's a lot to look into that, but let me take a couple steps back and talk about accessibility first. Uh, this has been a big push. We've talked about DEI and A, right? And A, the you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. You've seen new reporting, new new details coming out from the Justice Department and the General Services Administration regarding how agencies are doing. A lot of agencies are struggling with accessibility. Do you get a sense that this is being talked about more in agencies? And are they looking for 
folks like Zoom and other industry partners really to, uh, hey, highlight the fact, hey, we can meet these requirements. We can make it easier on a, your customers or your citizens and or your employees. Absolutely, Jason. You know, you, you see this coming out. You mentioned a couple of the articles and things that are coming out there. A lot of when you look at unified communications and especially the hybrid environment, people have been so focused around what that accessibility looks like in the office. But how does it look like from home? And how do we really, you know, do a better job in industry highlighting what we're doing around accessibility? A lot of times, you know, decisions get made on technology and, you know, accessibility sometimes becomes an afterthought. Oh, we, we didn't even think about that. Here's the opportunity now to say for industry to come forward and say, here's highlighting what we're doing. And think of accessibility. Accessibility is not a checkbox. It's something that's evolving. There's constantly, there's things we're doing around movement in a, in a meeting where uh, for epilepsy. Uh, there's all kinds of different capabilities out there that we at industry really need to highlight more for our, our, our CX uh, individuals and agencies. But there are groups, the Access Board and such, who actually have agencies that have you know, an SES level and an individual who are the key ones to talk about accessibility in that, in that environment. So it's exciting around the fact we look at this as a huge momentum uh, booster for us with our customers because we're showing, sharing with them what this looks like, how this can be implemented as part of their hybrid environment, and be able to check, you know, use that one point, the check boxes to say, that, hey, we've given, we provide this capability, but more so as those capabilities and accessibility come forward, that we can share more and more around how we're evolving with that with our customers. I think that ties directly back to the innovation point you brought up. You brought a breakout room, something that obviously was something that came really rose on a big occasion. You know, I've been at conferences that have been all online and, okay, go to this breakout room or that breakout room. But interesting, the, the example you used with Quartz, are there other innovations that are emerging or have emerged in the last, let's say, six or eight months or a year or so? Yeah, they're really, Jason, they're... It's it's really the innovations there and where the, the functionality has been is created. Now it's really taking taking places. How is how are we taking a look at the workflow, right? And this is where a lot of the CX individuals in the government areas are really digging into. So it's not just about hey, let's throw technology at it or let's go look at this. It's what is the workflow? You look at courts, how courts were done before. They had to change in that environment, that hybrid environment. Hey, who would have thought that? two attorneys or they could have a breakout room and come back into a courtroom. And so you look at that piece of it. Now we're starting to look at, you know, other types of meetings, large meetings where two leaders may have to break out for a minute to talk about something privately and come back into it. We're starting to look at this, see this more often in, in legislative meetings where let's say uh, on the Hill or such that you'll be able to go in and they're at a meeting. They need to have a breakout with one of their staff to confer on something, come back to it and come into it and back into the meeting. So we're starting to see more and more of these use cases. And, and, and I think from industry, you know, I say is I we challenge government, bring, bring those use cases to us, have us help walk through those, those scenarios or those things you're looking at or where we can make suggestions. You know, we're seeing this in the in the retail space, and we talk about different industries. In the retail space, they're really looking at virtual aid, uh, virtual agents using chat uh, AI and such. To, to pull then pull a live people into it where it's necessary. So we're starting to see, hey, how do we start to look at this a little differently? And how does the workflow of potentially other verticals start to implement into what 
what the government in different areas is doing and sharing those things. Right? It may not be 100% perfect, but it really allows those individuals to see that there are different ways that you can do things, but really understanding how does that fit into the workflow uh, of that organization. What, what I like about your example is each of these sectors, whether it's government or retail or education or whomever, are kind of lo- learning from each other because everyone's really still facing the very similar challenges in, in the hybrid workplace, whether or not, you know, if it may be more difficult in certain retail organizations, but there's still people who don't want to go into the store and want to buy everything online. So how can you get a piece of that market too? How do you, how do you from your brick and mortar store, again, evolve that way? Uh, we're, we're, as we kind of wrap up here in the last couple of minutes, uh, as agencies continue to return employees to the office, as they continue to evolve these collaboration efforts, and, and you know specifically, I think the mission and critical areas are going to get a lot of focus over the next you know, year or two or more. Are, are there certain things you want them to keep in mind, or are there certain things, takeaways from our conversation today that you just want to maybe highlight to say, hey, we know that you're not starting at zero, but continue to make this progress? Yeah. A couple of quick points, Jason. You know, one is look to look to uh, industry for input. Uh, we see a lot of, as you kind of mentioned, I mentioned stuff I see in education. I cover state local government. I work with my counterpart who covers healthcare, which really has an impact on what I do with the VA and DHA and other mental health areas in the government. I talk to my counterparts who cover retail and finance to bring best practices across the board to our government customers. So go to industry and it's okay to sit down and say, we want to be educated. We want you, we want to see what is art of the possible and then kind of work back from there. Uh, the next is that the five fundamentals that I mentioned about a unified communication platform, simplicity, scalable, innovative, extensible, and secure, key areas that really can set the foundation for not only what you're going to do now for hybrid, but what that's going to look like for the future. And then the last is really around total cost of ownership. Taking a look at the at the, the cost, you know, people say something is free or it's included as part of something and, the, and that technology, as we mentioned, if leaders are using part, a certain technology and the rest of the organization is using something different, I think you have to take a step back and say, why? What, 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 why is that dynamic in place that you potentially could have that and having that, that uh, what that total cost of ownership is to implement something, but also having the dual pass that if something's not working, there's a, there's a, a secondary path or finding what's the best, best path well, then having the other be a secondary around that. So those three those three key areas, I think, are, are important. And I think, you know, really that last little tidbit, I think we talk a lot about accessibility is as you're making these decisions, understand what accessibility means in these decisions that you're making for a hybrid environment. Because accessibility, uh, uh, opportunity to work in a low bandwidth environment can be game changers on how your uh, end users, again, we talk about your customers are external and internal and how they work. Work, how you work with them. I appreciate that because I think one of the things is really important is people know when the, there's two different, you know, uh, bars, right? The, oh, the, the leaders can use X and, the, and the, everyone else has to use Y. Well, why is that, right? And, and people, that, that gets out very quickly and, and creates a tougher employee experience. It, it hurts employee engagement and that definitely has a downward effect. So I think that, that point is, is definitely one to drive home. Uh, Matt, unfortunately, we're out of time for today and I enjoyed our conversation very much. So let me thank my guest. Matt Madrock is the head of public sector at Zoom. Matt, always a pleasure to have you on. Jason, thank you for having me again. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to the discussion Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search innovation. 
Thank you for listening to the Innovation and in Government Show, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. The entire discussion can be found on demand at federalnewsnetwork.com, keyword innovation.